0: If you would, if not, there's one under, if you don't have one under the seats, to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, towards the back of the New Testament. I will be reading Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. About this, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child but solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil blessed is the reading of God's holy infallible inerrant breathed out to us, the church word. Father, help me. Help me teach, be clear, be easy to understand because we have hearts that are hungry and want to do it. Help me stay clearly here within the bounds of the structure, of the text, of what you have delivered through the writer to the Hebrews, to us. Just let it sing. Let it work. Let it be clearly seen this morning by us in this room. Oh, we need your help by the work of your spirit. We thank you for your presence. Already this morning, the joy in hearts of singing these wonderful truths of Holy Scripture. So continue this. Allow us to worship over your word to the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So last week we began in this text and we focused on. The one thing, the problem that he calls dull of hearing. So go back, see verse 11. That is what the main point of this passage is. About this teaching on Melchizedek and Jesus' high priestly ministry after that order, that particular understanding of Jesus, that theology, about this, we have a lot to say. We got much to say. And it's hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. See, he's only been able to draw a stick figure of Jesus. And he wants to paint a Rembrandt portrait. Of Jesus and he says this stuff is just too hard to explain to you guys not because the author doesn't understand what he wants to explain it's not because the material the theology of uh, Christianity is something that he doesn't grasp he does and it's not because it's too heady too intellectual Not spiritual enough. It's not because the hearers don't have the intellectual capacity to get it. But it's hard for him to paint this portrait, to to get this wonderful picture of Jesus over to them. Why? The text is clear. Because, quote, You have become dull of hearing. That's the spiritual problem of this passage. Then he goes on now to unpack what he means by dull of hearing in verses 12 to 14. Verse 12, is his general statement of what he means. Then verses 13 and 14, he restates it again more specifically. Verse 12. What do I mean by dull of hearing? This. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, (laughs) nevertheless, you need someone To teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. He says, You guys are not new Christians. You've been around long enough. You should be loving the scripture, the doctrine of Christ, of salvation, of the atonement, of the future resurrection of heaven. Not only loving them, loving them so much that they're in you so you could teach others. But nevertheless, you're spiritual babies who need others to teach you the basic ABCs of Christianity. That's what he says in verse 12. And then in 13 and 14, at the very end of verse 12 through 14, he gets more Specific about, about what he means. That you need someone to teach you. And he does it by using the metaphor of milk that a baby drinks from mommy versus solid food. End of verse 12. You need milk, not solid food. Then in verses 13 and 14, he unpacks what he meant. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since or because he's literally a napios, a baby. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice in order to distinguish good from evil." So in other words, he says, you you are like immature 21-year-olds who have gone back to bottle feeding when it comes to your understanding of the Scripture. Your understanding of what Christianity actually is. Your understanding of the faith. Your understanding of doctrine. You have bottles in your mouth. And why is it? Why is it that they cannot handle solid food but may choke to death? His answer is, in the text, because they are unskilled in the word of righteousness. Verse 13, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness because he's, he's a baby. And that's the opposite of verse 14. But, solid food, introduce some mush and applesauce and, and it gets into bread and oh my gosh, can they handle a piece of hamburger meat? And then steak, but solid food is for the mature. What do you mean? He explains it. This is, the, this is what I mean by mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to discern good from evil. So how does one become skilled in the word? Well, you step by step drink the bottle of milk. Feeding time after feeding time, you feed upon it. That You hear the word, but not just that according to the text. You, with that, with the milk, start with the milk, you practice it. You, you trust God's commandments to you. You trust Him because as you're practicing and you're praying, you you understand the cross of Christ. There's nothing I could do to deserve such mercy. It's the cross. And from that, as you read in the text, He says, don't live that way. Live that way. Follow me. Trust me. I have your best interest at heart as we sing. This morning? Do we do, do do we mean? I can't remember the words, but they're in my heart we're <laughs> saying it's about how precious or well, Jesus is and the grace and the goodness and the kindness. Do you believe that when he says don't do that? Practice this. Why am I so excited at the moment? Calm down. What he says, don't be hearers, as James says, but be doers. As you practice the word, you're communing, not just getting information into your head. You're communing with God over the truth and living in the word of God then that way, according to text, that's What does it do? It produces righteousness. It produces a pattern of a life that's different outside of Christ. It's called sanctification. This is what he means by righteousness here in in the word of righteousness because the context is clear. Where does that come from according to the text? It comes from godly discernment in you. In other words, therefore, distinguishing good from evil. Ooh, that's, yeah, I got to stop that one. That, that, that's, that's dumb. That's dangerous to, to, to my, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go that way. Here's the good. And thus, you are overcoming sinful patterns of unbelief. Never overcome your sin nature in this life. This is now mixed with the indwelling of the Spirit. But it's this struggle that is evident that you are skilled in the word of righteousness. So, in other words, with his metaphor, to the point that that you're no longer stumbling around and falling on your head like a one-year-old who's unskilled in walking. the Scripture being fed upon. What does that mean for him? It means this. The Scripture is hearing, being constantly practiced. It means obeyed. Because the Scripture instructs, it rebukes, it enlightens. And if the Spirit's in you, It thrills you. But overall, they draw you, the words of God in the scripture, into communion with God by the Holy Spirit so that you're more in tune with God, the Holy Spirit in you to the point that you're Moral, spiritual senses. Because here, your powers of discernment, according to the text, they're being conditioned, they're being trained to discern good from evil. Like a golfer. Why do these guys who make millions of dollars over and over and over and over and over go to the driving range and hit thousands upon thousands upon thousands of balls? They are constantly training their muscle memory. So, what almost comes naturally now and they keep it natural by the muscle memory of constant practice. So in other words the writers say you go from a from a blurry vision of Christ, of God, of his glory. Why did he create this world? Why is there so much pain? How do you deal with the problem of evil? If God is good, death and Holocaust and slaughters and, and, and you see in the scripture and it's like you're getting a new pair of glasses. You can like, see more clearly. It's more beautiful than I thought. And that's training how, how you walk through this present time as someone who's wise. You distinguish between the best mm. and Okay. You clearly see evil where so many people in the society don't see it. You see it. You don't go that way. You choose the good. That's what he says. This power of discernment is not like, okay, I've got to discern whether I should obey God's commandments in the Ten Commandments. There's no discernment there. It's either rebellion or not. Or, or the hundreds of commandments in the New Testament on the Christian life. You don't need to discern whether, does that really mean for me? you know, Whether I should steal or not. Whether I should uh, commit sexual sin or not. Whether I should hold grudges and bitterness and unforgiveness towards someone who has repented or not. It's not discernment. That's just pure obedience. But so much of the Christian life, or all of our lives, are filled with hundreds and hundreds of decisions that it's, it's not written in the scripture whether I should go to that school or that school. It's not written in the scripture whether I should pursue this relationship as a single person because that may be my mate or that one. These things get tough. How should I address? This person, because this person is not that other person who I might say it this way to. We are desperate for discernment, the powers of discernment to distinguish good from evil should act. But the immature, they drive their car of life and smack into the wall, total their cars again and again, because they have no discernment of the evil of the wall in front of them. So, as we saw last week, here's the connection. All of this lack of practice of the Word, this this lack of, therefore, spiritual development is the cause of dullness of hearing. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to get over to you because you have become dull of hearing. And its core, as we saw last week, dullness of hearing is hearing. It's like every one of you are hearing me right now, but as Jesus would say, do you have ears to hear? He didn't mean these ones. He means these ones. Conviction. Seeing the glory of God in the Scripture. Being preached or read. Dullness of hearing, another way to say it, is hearing without a heart of faith without the internal change going on that faith brings about, which evidences itself in obedience. Dullness of hearing is hearing the Bible when you read it, or preaching when you hear it, the way that we all hear Charlie Brown's teacher Wow, wow, wow. Evidently, the kids understand what she's saying, but we adults don't. We do hear the noise. We do decipher something in syllables, but we don't know. We're not learning anything. And it happens this morning in churches all over the world with people weak, weak, after week because of what happens from the time they leave church on that Sunday to enter the door of that church building the next Sunday is it put into practice or not to be dull of hearing is to be a person who has grown dull to the sound of preaching. It doesn't awaken them or produce anything in them. If they had ears to hear, then they would receive more the next time, and they would get more the next time. That's what the writer says he wants to do, I got so much more. Don't you sick of stick figures? But I gotta start with stick figures again, and not a Rembrandt. The problem, it wasn't the theology that the writer wanted to get over to them. The problem was their dullness of hearing. Now, there's nothing wrong with milk. Milk is crucially important for babies to grow by. And so the problem is when one ought to be grown up, but they're still only drinking from the bottle. It's not a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem. Dullness of hearing is passive, sluggish, lazy hearing that doesn't reach out and grasp the contours of how God's revealing Himself and His glory and the cross and the Christian life and morality and living. It doesn't reach out and grasp them and embrace them and come to repentance again and again and come to love and joy again and again through the Word. Dullness of hearing doesn't do that. Those who are not dull of hearing, that process is happening in them. And so the solution to dullness of hearing... It's right there in verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The problem with these Christians is not that there's something wrong with milk. The problem is that they're not using the milk in a way that would cause them to grow. And what is that? It's right in front of us. The, the, the way to use the milk of the word, and then the mush of the word, and then a little bit of hamburger meat and then maybe, and then steak, the way to use the word of God is by doing it. Constant practice according to verse. Here's my, the literal translation. Well, I'm going to bring out the tense of the, the verb here. He's saying, their, their faculties of discernment have been and are being, it's the perfect tense in Greek, have been, with ramifications coming through and all the way up to the present moment, and they are being exercised. All these people were doing in all these gyms all over the place with the muscle of their body. Well, every Christian, you you, you have a faculty, not, not merely of an intellect, but of discernment. That's that wisdom thing. The right choice versus the wrong choice. The good versus the evil. And he says... That is being trained by constant habit, literally, practice. And the outcome of that is maturity, growing up, the ability to make distinctions between good and evil. That is the opposite of being Unskilled in the word. He's saying this is the skillful use of the scripture. The person eats the word. And if you think, how? Because they can repeat back to you what you said. Nope. Because they can even themselves tell you what justification by faith alone means and how Jesus said, nope. That's not the problem this guy's talking about. You eat the word by putting it into practice in your life. And the problem is that these Christians now are not exercising. They're spiritual muscles with the milk that they even get so that they can grow into meat. And so the muscle of faith, trust, of walking with the Lord, of walking after the Spirit, and producing the fruit of the Spirit, it's not being exercised. And that comes the practice from a highly sensitized discernment of right and wrong, and the Word again producing it. And then again it goes to the Word, and it goes back and forth. It's what the Apostle Paul called in Romans 12, the renewing of your mind. It's a mind that can discern between good and evil. This, no, no, not, not that. The text says, because of practice, the mature have their powers of discernment trained to distinguish good from evil. So the reason that any of us Christians may be in a place where we are clueless. We are bored with biblical teaching about Melchizedek and Jesus' high priestly ministry. or The atonement or God himself, the Holy Trinity. Or God's purpose in creating anything. The reason that we are bored with what the Scripture says about those things, whether we're reading them or hearing them taught, is not an intellectual problem. It's a moral problem. And the reason we have come to be dull of hearing is because we ignore the milk of the Word and the meat of the Word biblical truth by not obeying it and this causes our internal discerning powers to not work they don't work right and so we make a bad decision and because that thing is still broken instead of asking for forgiveness and repentance oh I blew that one Lord we make another bad decision and then another. And so it comes easy, and we say, Oh, you know what? Huh. So what? So what if I go down to the Kohl's and buy this dress for that event on Saturday evening, knowing I'm going to return it next week? The moral compass. Is broken. Ah, yeah, look, sex outside of marriage, it's not really hurting anybody. I mean, come on, it's not like robbery. So, in that light, ah, holding on to grudges and bitterness. Okay, look, that's not murder. Murder's bad. So, therefore, by definition, this really isn't that bad. The powers of discernment are broken. And the more that is, you'll see the more they are bored with Christ, with the Word. So, what? If I watch a a little bit of porn, after all, everyone's doing it. It's ubiquitous. And the more we float down that river, the more bad decisions we make. And the result, according to the text, is we become duller and duller and duller of hearing. And we wonder why we're bored with preaching and Bible reading and Bible studies. It's a moral problem. It's not an intellectual problem. It's all owing to a lack of discernment of what is right, what is evil. Which path shall I go down today and which shall I not? All connected. Our text says, by constant practice, the mature and the maturing are those who habitually do the Word. And the more they do, the more they can understand the teaching because they're not dull of hearing. That's text. You look at it, it's clear. I want you to do one thing to show you that the Apostle Paul thinks the exact same thing about this dynamic. Turn to 1 Corinthians. Thanks, Andrew, from Wednesday night, (laughs) bringing up this passage. 1 Corinthians, I'm going to first read chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And you'll see that essentially Paul is saying the exact same thing. And I think one reason is because this guy was definitely trained under Paul. Verse 1, talking to the Corinthians. But brothers, I could not speak to you, preach to you, or teach you. That's what he means by address you. I could not address you as spiritual people. But as people of the flesh. As napios. Infants. In Christ. I fed you with milk. Not solid food because you were not ready for it yet. What do I mean? For you are still of the flesh. What do you mean? For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh? having or behaving, living your lives only in a natural, normal, human way, not as an indwelt by the Spirit, Christian is what he means. Okay, this is stunning. Yeah. Wait. He just said a few verses, or I mean, I, I would love to sit here for an hour and just slowly read this whole passage and talk about it, but go back to chapter 2, verse 6. And Paul talked about the other kind, the mature Christian, the person growing. And he says, they can handle the wisdom of God that I want to teach them. He says it this way. Chapter 2, verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it's, it's not a wisdom of this age Or the rulers of this age who were doomed to pass away. Oh no, this is spiritual milk. Given in words. Human words. English words. Paul here. Greek words. And then he said this in verse 15 of chapter 2. The spiritual person. not, Not the fleshly person. Both baptized. But the spiritual person judges all things. In other words discerns you can see it's called it's the discerning wisdom of good and evil so now here in chapter 3 what we just read he says to the corinthians when it comes to the mature no no you were not in that category i could not address you or teach you as spiritual people but i have another term for you he says fleshly, sarkinos from sarx, you're fleshly. He says, you're not mature or spiritual, but you're babies, you're nepios, you're infants. And so Paul also calls those who ought to be mature, who ought to be able to stomach and digest deeper teaching, He calls them like the Hebrew writer does, babies in Christ. And then he says, they couldn't eat solid food, but only milk. Right, they look at verse 2. I fed you with milk, chapter 3, verse 2, not with solid food, because you were not ready for it, and even now you're not ready. Same thing the Hebrew writer has given us, but then notice what Paul says in verse 3. Why were you not ready? His answer, because of the way you live. It's His answer. Because you don't practice the Word. That's His answer. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, Are you not of the flesh? Now there's a context that Paul says this in. But look, you can just take what Paul says. I think he would totally agree when he lays out the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. You can just take fornication, adultery, and homosexuality, and strife, and bitterness, and hatred, and envy, Murder, stealing. You, you can just take the works of the flesh. And he says, are you not fleshly? And that's why you can't hear. He says, the evidence of being fleshly, to being reverted back to the baby stage in this, con-, he says, you know what it is? It's jealousy that you have towards one another. It's envy. So what is it about people that makes them unable to digest solid food of biblical teaching? The answer is, they're not living and practicing the milk of the word of God that they already have. As long as a person is walking according to, unabated, in other words, the sinful dictates Of the culture. Of the flesh. They can't hear the word. They hear it more fuzzy the next day. And more fuzzy the next day. And more fuzzy until they turn around. Because they're not training themselves by constant practice to discern good from evil and thus they cannot eat solid food anymore. And according to Paul, we just saw in chapter 2, solid food is the wisdom, it's the Word of God, it's the teachings of Christ, it's the wisdom that he wanted to impart to them. and Therefore again with Paul. The problem has nothing to do. With a person's intellectual capacity. He says what you need. In order to grasp what I want to say. Is to get rid of your jealousy. Get, get rid of your strife. And your pride. See, in the context, remember why this is coming out, but clearly application goes to all those works of the flesh. His context is, you guys are running around saying, my favorite teacher is Paul. I mean, so therefore, no, 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 no Peter, no, 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 no. Mine's Peter. But mine's a Paulus. Mine's, mine's John MacArthur. John Piper, see, m- mine is. I'll tell you what, I'm reformed. I'm a Pentecostal. We really get the Spirit. Or you know, I'm old school. Everything was pretty much set to what I should do on Sunday morning in three seventy nine. So, I'm Greek Orthodox. Look, I don't care what people are going to be. But when the arrogance the pride goes beyond the word of God is the thing. That's what he's dealing with here. That's why he's saying you're immature. So the key to maturity. The key to overcoming dullness of hearing is the way you drink the milk and then eat the mush and then eat of the more solid food. And the key of how you're doing that is what you do with what you get. So, application. What do we do? It's what we do all as Christians. we got to wake up every day until we die. Because there's no coasting. We first Love the milk of the word. What do you mean love it? I don't like milk. Okay, right, good. Recognize the problem. Love it. Pray for desire for it and then partake of it. Drink the milk. Listen to the old rugged cross in the scripture again and again. Don't get bored with justification by faith alone and the imputation of Christ's righteousness and the work of the Spirit in you in sanctification and everything else the Scriptures say in pictures of God's wrath as the backdrop for His mercy. Don't get bored and be... Fear coming into a place, oh, they talked about just, oh, I already knew that stuff. Something's going wrong because it's worship over the Word. It's a meeting with God over the Word. So desire it. Absorb the scripture and you do it by reading it. And by sitting under the preaching of the word of God, and then you take heed to it, you obey it, you trust the God of the word. In other words, what do you do? Approach it as if your very sustenance of life depended on that word. Because it does. Or to say it this way, do exactly what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 says to do. And notice again how Peter is right in line with exactly what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians and what the Hebrew writer is saying. This whole program of preaching Hearing and reading and communing with God is always directly connected to your practicing it. Listen to him. What do you do, Peter? What shall I do? If if Pastor Joe is right, what shall I take away today? Quote, put away. All malice, evil, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. I think you can keep going on. Put these away. And then what? Like newborn infants. Everyone been around one? I don't know, seven times a day, honey? How often is it? Feeding time, the baby lets you know. Like newborn infants, literally it's the word epithemia. desire long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up to salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, that's the key. Dull hearers are in a place where in the preaching and in the reading of the scripture, the Lord Isn't tasting good. He's a burden to the way I want to live. So he says, You taste, you love it. He's good. Because you see in the Word, it's real food. That's how Jesus talked in my flesh. It's real food. It's nutritious. The promises of God are nutritious. The explication of who God is and how salvation works is nutritious. The commands for your morality on what to do And love your brothers. And what not to do? You see it for what it is. Words of life. They are nutritious. And when that's your life, and you put it into practice, it transforms your values and your priorities. And that leads to a heart that discerns very readily good from evil let me just close with one illustration to say that thing in a different way only one time in my life did I attend Grace Community Church in Sunland on a Sunday morning and that was 22 years ago and I bring it up because I still remember the point of John MacArthur's sermon that morning. Because the question, how do I live? What do I do? What do I do with my sex life, my moral life, my work life, my business life, my married life? How do I live? And he said, and I agree with him, you fill yourself up with the Word of God. You love it. You, You practice it. You do it. You love God. And then just Go do what you want. Now, you can over mishear that, but I'm t- that's the point because what MacArthur was saying is that you're, you do that. You love God. Your powers of discernment are being trained to distinguish. Do I take a left? Do I take a right? How should I do that? And on and on and on. It'll keep you away from car wrecks. And it is that lifestyle as I close. According to the Word of God here, it is that lifestyle starting incrementally in a life that breaks the power of dullness, of hearing. And then you hear more. And then that feeds your moral life more. And then practicing that feeds your hearing more. Father apply this to all of our hearts may we hear the command through your apostle Peter ring this week when we wake up in the morning desire the pure spiritual milk of the word and thus experience your grace in that by implanting that word deep into our hearts through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.